Welcome to The Queerness, an LGBTQ podcast produced by San Francisco Pride at our pan-galactic headquarters overlooking the most gorgeous city in the cosmos, and which also happens to be the unceded Ohlone Ramatush land known as Yalamu. I'm your host, Peter Astrid Kane, SF Pride's communications person, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm thrilled to say that our guest on today's episode is Al Ram Luhan, a leatherman who has been the chair of the San Francisco Leatherman's Discussion Group, or SFLDG, since early 2019. Founded in 1996, SFLDG has an educational mission with a once-a-month presentation of a kink, fetish, leather, or BDSM skill or topical discussion, interview, or panel relevant to kinky guys and their allies. An Oakland resident and a former title holder for Bay Area Sober in Leather, Al is frequently called upon to judge the various title competitions that form the backbone of that community. Lastly, his Facebook background photo is a screenshot of him on Joshua Johnson's program on NBC last June discussing whether or not kink belongs at Pride and showing off some really excellent arm tattoos. From the perspective of San Francisco Pride, leather, kink, and BDSM among consensual adults absolutely belong. Al, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I am doing very well for a Monday. I love to hear it. Tell me about this contest that you judged yesterday. Well, it was the Mr. San Francisco Eagle uh, contest, and it was one of the first contests to come back to the Bay Area since the pandemic. So people were really, really happy to be part of it. And we had three great contestants. Um, And yeah, it was just it was just really nice to kind of go back to almost normal judging people. Why not? (laughs) It comes naturally. It comes naturally. (laughs) This time I got to articulate. (laughs) (laughs) Were you judging in your capacity as chairman of LDG or just as judging member of the public? I, I. I'm assuming it's as, as a former title holder for uh, Bay Area Sober and Leather and then having gone on to compete at uh, Mr. San Francisco Leather and also having judged the uh, Mr. San Francisco Leather uh, subsequent year. So I'm assuming that's why. Excellent. I'm glad you had fun. Yeah. So listen, tell us about this 25th anniversary celebration, which is this Sunday, December 12th, from noon to three at Oasis. Well, we've been really working hard at producing a a really great event. We're all really excited about um, having the public join us and kind of seeing what we're about. So, you know, we're 25 years old, which is pretty significant for a kink organization. Um, There's, you know, there's a handful of other maybe older uh, organizations than ours. Um, but for what we do, you know, we've been around uh, quite a bit of time. In December, we usually um, celebrate our volunteers. We have a holiday and volunteer appreciation party. So we're rolling everything into one and having folks kind of come down to the Oasis on 11th and Folsom uh, from noon to three on Sunday, December 12th. And uh, there is going to be a boot black available. There's going to be step and repeat photos. There are going to be run pins, a cigar lounge, a catered event, and free drink tickets. So what is not to love? (laughs) I assume the cigar lounge is up up on the roof. Don't make assumptions. 
I'm just oh, kidding. Yes, it's it got schooled by <laughs> someone wearing a Sir T-shirt. <laughs> but by code, I suppose we have to have it upstairs uh, in the open air. <laughs> and you're you're a cigar smoker, right? Occasionally, um, I'm I'm not an aficionado, but I do I do like a nice quality cigar from time to time. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a nice activity while getting your boots polished. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and having a cocktail and some hors d'oeuvres at the same time. So multitasking. There you go. You're, you're already there. You're already there. I need to stay with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's funny to me to host an event like this at Oasis, which indicates just how far this community has evolved in the last 10 years. Because you would think 10 years ago, the idea of leather and drag being like oil and water, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, we could have had it uh, at, you know, Catalyst, which is a, a dungeon. But we, you know, we wanted to kind of go all out and have, you know, a, a, a space that could accommodate, you know, the numbers and have a bar and a, an area to eat um, and not, you know, not, you know, a puddle of lube where you might slip. Um, but yeah, I would, Very courteous. I would love, um, you know, I think most drag queens will be sleeping uh, at that point by the time we start. So I don't know if we're going to kind of cross paths. I know Darcy Drollinger will uh, be the house manager. So I hope she goes to bed <laughs> with makeup on and just kind of wakes up and pops over, you know? Just smeary <laughs> mascara, just looking like hell. Yes, yes, yes. But yes, it, it is. it is nice that kind of, there's these all new intersections of, um, yeah, you know, the South of market communities. Um, and, and I, I think that's really evident. Like I, I was at the Eagle on Friday and Saturday and it, it is really inspiring to see a lot of different kind of subcultures kind of mixing and mingling, uh, and coexisting, you know, many years ago that, that was not the case. Yeah. I mean, in your perspective as a leather man, like, what has changed and what caused it? I'm going to say, you know, I, I just think people are speaking up for their kind of place at the table. And I think that that's been really important uh, to kind of educate folks. I mean, there's like, you know, the old guard of any any kind of community. You have like the stalwarts that say like, oh, this is the way it has to be. And I think now, um, you know, we're just saying like, hey, I, I value the opinion and the presence of, you know, this kind of cross section. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of different factors. You know, there's BLM, there's the pandemic that, you know, I mean, I'm happy to just see anyone in person. Um, and I'm not gonna limit myself to like a, a certain kind of person that I wanna see or need to see or um, desire. Uh, I'm happy to just have everyone kind of come together and, and, and celebrate each other. LDG founded in 1996. You just think that was probably the bottom of leather culture in San Francisco, right? Like to be perfectly candid, a lot of people had died by then. And it was only like 10, 12 years later that the resurgence that we're currently enjoying really began. You know, were you involved in that in, in the 90s? I was not in, involved in the 90s. I mean, I was aware of it. And I, you know, and I was involved in the, in the leather scene, um, and it did it did have like this this kind of really this shifting dynamic, and and I know that you know, Leatherman's discussion group started and had an initial interest, and then that kind of died away kind of a few years later, and it was really kind of a handful of people that were making it happen, and then 
there was a shift. I, it may have been a program uh, that race led uh, that talked about mm -hmm. is leather dead. And it really kind of brought up the conversation of like, if you if this is if this is a scene that you value, then put some, you know, some, some value into your motivation and your actions in bringing the scene back and participating in all these different things. And so LDG just had this resurgence, resurgence of uh, interest and participation where we moved from Eros to Blow Buddies and then to the upstairs space at Mr. S and now over to Catalyst to kind of accommodate the number of attendees. Uh, we had our first in-person program uh, a couple weeks ago uh, and we had a, a great turnout. Um, so yeah, so you know, there, there, we, you know, we thought that like coming back in person that we were gonna have a lot of drop off um, kind of like, mm. you know, the mid nineties where it was like, you know, yeah, there's lack of interest and the pandemic gave people excuses to kind of just stay home. Um, but we're seeing that people have participated in on our Zoom programming uh, and people came out that last in-person program and that was really nice. And then to see folks come out for the mega hood and um, whatever Dory was renamed. Um, mm -hmm. So it was, it was nice to see people back in, in you know, they were ready to go. They were ready to come back out. So, you know, what do you think people get out of leather aside from the fucking? You know, the part of it, um, I believe, is community camaraderie. Camaraderie, um, a sense. You know, like for me, speaking to someone who kind of understands where I'm coming from is always important. I love educating people and answering questions and just kind of, you know, I'm an open book. But there's also really nice, you know, when when I'm with someone, you know, a friend and we, you know, notice a hot guy go by with like really nice, shiny boots. And we're both like, ooh, you know, we both kind of get it. And I don't have to explain to somebody like, oh, why do you why do you admire those boots? And it's just like, you know, well, because. because. <laughs> but, you know, there, there, there is, you know, and I, I think in, in speaking to, to kink minded folks and leather folks, you know, you're able to ex explore like different facets of kink. So you're not just like, okay, you're a leatherman and that's what you're into or S&M, but like, okay, I'm, I'm into, you know, pups or, you know, mm -hmm. just strictly bondage without leather. You know, there's just so many kind of subcultures within the culture that, you know, we can kind of like share, you know, knowledge, experience. Um, and so I think that's where kind of LDG comes in is that we can, really explore things that, you know, it may not be of interest to you, but you may have questions about, you know, like for me, like initially pup play, it wasn't my thing. I, I, I celebrated that folks were, were into it, but it wasn't until a program where Amp Summers from What's the Safe Word, you know, was, was talking about like his experience, you know, being tied and, and flogged and not, you know, and being kind of downtrodden about it because he served kind of to please uh, his handler, and it really kind of clicked. Like I understood, like oh, that's kind of cool, you know. That I, I that I that I'm kind of getting it more than it's just you know like gear. So yeah, so I think that um, sharing information and just kind of seeing other people's perspectives and listening, you know, which is a, a key point that people don't kind of do enough. They make assumptions, um, but listening to folks and and their experiences is, is is really vital. There is one particular fetish that I want to ask you about irrespective of your own personal erotic attitude toward it. Um, and that is the cop fetish. 
which has become somewhat controversial as anti-police violence has risen to the forefront of the social consciousness. But on the other hand, you have people who say that this is consensual and don't police my desires without going too far and putting too many words in your mouth. Uh-huh. <laughs> how, how do you feel that the community handles this fetish or how should it handle it? Yeah, it, it, like you said, it, it, it is complicated. Um, there are different um, kind of viewpoints and it, 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 it's really important to kind of respect folks who are having kind of strong reactions to the presence of folks in uniform. And I, and I just read a, a story a, a few minutes ago about a restaurant uh, having to apologize, or not having to apologize, but apologizing for removing some cops from a restaurant on Friday and kind of them kind of having this learning moment of like, okay, these, you know, these people are, are, are doing their job and they want to have some dinner. But anyways, aside from that, they were in uniform. They were in uniform and they had their yeah. guns. And I think the, the guns are what really kind of disturbed the staff at the restaurant. They were very uncomfortable. That said, I don't see anyone turning up with weapons at, at events. I haven't, I haven't had a conversation with anyone who's had strong opinions one way or the other about cops. I have my own opinion. I, I love uniforms. They do carry a very um, significant kind of... Um, baggage with them, you know, there's, there's a history that, you know, can't be ignored. And, you know, and some of, you know, some of the more extreme uh, uniform folks, you know, they, there's Nazi leanings and yeah. that's kind of like where I'm just, you know, I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to kind of contemplate it. You know, I'm into role play so that the kind of the cop thing is, I can, I can totally get it. Um, I happen yeah. to have a, a, a nice uniform that I won't say where I got, but I, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I totally understand it, but I, but I'm also sympathetic to folks who have strong reactions to it. Yeah. I mean, there are other uniforms that connote authority and masculinity in the broadest sense that don't necessarily have that whiff of, I could kill you right now. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But also, I mean, and I'm going to keep pressing you on this. To some extent, like LDG exists as a safe space for desires that are not always sanctioned or understood, even within the overall LGBTQ community, let alone society at large. Right. So is that, you know, what do we say to people who are not just trying to be needlessly provocative as you would in a Nazi uniform, but who need to have some place to go for consensual play that fundamentally is not hurting anyone. Right. Well, again, the 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 purpose that LDG exists, you know, is, is to kind of educate and to really open a dialogue and to have panel discussions. So if if this topic were to come, you know, to become to be a program, you know, we would have kind of folks speaking on both sides and then open it up for dialogue for our participants to, to, you know, ask those questions and voice those concerns or, you know, or, you know, give praise. Um, I, yeah, definitely. It's, it's really about dialogue and really understanding, like, where are you coming from? Like, like you said, are you just being provocative? Cause that's, to me, that's kind of, that can, it can be obvious and kind of, you know, for me, tacky, I'm going to try hard not to roll my eyes at you for something like that. But at the same time, you know, if if you really kind of have a deep understanding of where you're coming from, putting on a uniform and having that power exchange with somebody who's, you know, consensually, 
you know, participating with you, then, you know, that I'm good. You're not hurting anybody. I mean, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, give you respect and hope that you can return that respect. Yes, like there is that kind of energy when you're in a dungeon, when you're in a room where there's separate scenes happening in close proximity to one another, like people sort of need to be cognizant of the fact that their presence is not in a vacuum and that there's a whole room full of people who are <laughs> getting it on. I mean, absolutely. At, at Gear Up, which is where I initially met you, you know, one scene from the other side of the room can have a dramatic impact on a completely unrelated scene 50 feet away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, sound carries out in the, out in the wilderness. <laughs> Sounding carries. Right. <laughs> and what could sound like a bear attack might just be someone's really, you know, really great yeah. scene, you know? I mean, energy, it's like the law of the conservation of horniness, right? Like energy increases energy. Right. <laughs> How many active members does the Leatherman's discussion group have at this time? Approximately. Well, we don't we don't really count them as members mm -hmm. because we're not we're not like a club. Um right. but at any, you know, our programs, you know, which is kind of how we gauge, um, is we can have anywhere from 25 to 150 folks participating. You know, via Zoom, we were able to kind of reach out a little more broadly. We even had like folks from Colombia watching our program from the East Coast, from England. You know, we have we have a, a mailing list, and there's there's a little over a thousand folks on there. We have a volunteer uh, mailing list where we have hundreds of folks who have volunteered in the past or who are interested in volunteering. What is the programming coming up? What's the next? I believe it is Punching with Joe Gallagher. And that is going to oh. be an in-person event because like, how are you going to do punching uh, via Zoom? Come on. Um, and so now that we are going uh, in-person, you know, we're, we're hoping to get a little more demo oriented, a little more hands-on, so mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, so, you know, we've had a lot of great, um, you know, mental health discussions, discussions uh, about Black Lives Matter. Um, but we really want to kind of get back to, you know, like skill sharing and. Um, yeah. So this is the first in-person demo since let's March 2020, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. And when where's that going to be? That is going to be at Catalyst. And, OK, cool. And that I believe is the third Wednesday of January. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I will make every effort to come to that one. Great. Well, maybe you'll get punched. <laughs> I, I've been known to take a few. There's definitely some people out there that want to get wanna... right in the kisser. <laughs> um, I, I love Catalyst. It's a little chilly in there sometimes, <clears throat> but it's just like a cool, sexy space. I love that it's kind of anonymous. I love that it's literally underground. And it's in Soma, like it's in the, it's a cool spot in exactly the right place in the city to feel like you're connected to all your, you know, leather predecessors. Right. You're, you're nodding at me. So I, I think you're. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, they've, they've expanded their space so that it's a little more ABA compliant. There's an outdoors mm -hmm. area. So really, it, it, it really is like the hallmark of dungeons in the Bay Area. Um, you know, it, you know, there was a threat for a little while that we were going to lose it to development. Yeah. And that would be that would be tragic. You know, it's it's San Francisco. We need we need something like that. And, and I'm, I hope it sticks around for a lot longer. Do you remember the specific details of how that space got saved? 
it was the park that it's across the street right. from Victoria Manolo Draves, right. which is the rare spot of greenery in central Soma. And when they proposed building, I think it was like a six story building. The Filipino community was like, you are not going to even cast a shadow on this park for a few <laughs> hours a day for a couple months a year in the afternoons because there is no other place for kids to play and they need that sunlight. And this was taken as like yet another example of why you can't build anything in San Francisco. Right. But like that community has fought to stay where they are and they, they got heard. Absolutely. And as a consequence, Catalyst is still there. Absolutely. So. You know, to quote a famous drag queen, oh, the shade. You know, <laughs> they do not put a, a cloud of rain on their parade. <laughs> One last question for you. So sure. in spite of the resurgence of BDSM and leather culture in San Francisco and just say the world more generally, we're still losing spaces. Absolutely. And I think that it's incumbent upon us, you know, we like to kind of armchair quarterback about, oh, we're losing another space. But, you know, are we are we supporting those spaces? Are we coming out? Are we booking those spaces? And so, you know, of course, you know, during the pandemic, you know, we had, we, you know, we lost some spaces and that was mm -hmm. under nobody's control, but, you know, the pandemic and market economy of like, you can't pay rent, you're not going to have that space. For folks who kind of lament that, I'm just like, well, when's the last time you went to the Eagle or to the Powerhouse or to Catalyst or, you know, or to work with Folsom Street to, you know, to produce events and to, you know, just, you know, give them your dollars, support those folks. And so that's, you know, that was kind of our uh, thinking behind, you know, getting Oasis to host our event. You know, we really wanted to give back. We could have gotten a lot. We could have had a free space. We could have had a really inexpensive space, but we really want to support those businesses that support us. And I think that's been kind of our message every time we have a program and we thank our sponsors like Mr. S, you know, it's just like put your dollars with those organizations and those businesses that support us. You know, I mean, this, you know, it's the money just kind of goes around from hand to hand to hand in our community. And that's fine. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we give grants to some folks and then we ask for grants and support. And so, yeah, it's really just supporting those businesses to come out and not just say, oh, in the good old days when the Eagle was this or that. It's to come out, you know, and, and you know, this weekend, as I saw, it was people are, are coming back in, in droves and that's really exciting. That is exciting. And I will see you this Sunday that, at Oasis. That sounds great. For the Leatherman's, the Leatherman's Discussion Group 25th anniversary party. Absolutely. We can't wait to see you. Al, thanks so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. My pleasure. This has been The Queerness, a production of San Francisco Pride, conceived and co-produced by my hardworking colleagues, Chris and RJB, and our much-missed former colleague, Shannon. Our incredible guest in this episode was Al Ranguhan, chairman of the Leatherman's Discussion Group. Without the generous support of our sponsors, none of this would be possible. So a big thank you to T-Mobile, Alaska Airlines, Anheuser-Busch, and Waymo. Our theme music was composed by La Frida. We strongly encourage you to like and subscribe to us, which helps increase the queerness's visibility on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, because you know we're all about queer visibility around here. I'm your devastating host, Peter Astrid Kane, reminding you to be safe, but stay dangerous. We'll see you next time.